don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on Social Minds. Talking about football, talk about great British bake-off, have that cheeky sense of humour that, you know, people in Britain and Ireland do love. We spoke to John Hutchins, who is KFC UK and Ireland's social media executive. KFC, of course, needs no introduction. Not only is their chicken best in class, but the brand has gained notoriety for its witty jokes and quick comebacks on Twitter. Yes, with major press coverage for KFC's tweets and the infamous Rate My Plate campaign under his belt, it's fair to say John knows his onions when it comes to brand humor on Twitter. In this podcast, we got under the skin to discuss how a social first idea became a national TV ad campaign, why you should start asking KFC for fantasy football tips, and the dangers of launching your vegan range at midnight on New Year's Eve. The scrolling on Uber Eats delivery or whatever, they see KFC, it brings them very much to the front of mind. That's what we do. That's how we justify our existence. Well, there's some more coming up. How did lockdown reveal the importance of social for brands like KFC? I think what happened was people realised the value in it. Um, We were shut. KFC was shut for about eight, nine days, I think, until it was all the restaurants were shut. And what's the point in spending millions of pounds on tele-advertising, billboard advertising, when you've got these guys in social media who can do it for organically for free, essentially, you know, except our salaries, of course. So that was sort of the big thing that they're saving all this money because, you know, they have to make up for loss of closure and so forth, but they still want to be in the brand conscious. They don't want the brand to sort of go dark while the world's in flames. And I think a lot of brands did realise this. A lot of brands realised, right, we need to get some form of brand engagement. What are the folks in the basement and social doing, essentially? That would be the big thing. It was just sea of money we'll go do social and it was it was it was great for us it was great to get more of that sort of visual across the company i mean we're quite lucky our social team has always been you know quite well respected within kfc but whenever we had to sort of step up to the plate they they, they, we we shown them what we can do and i'm sure that's the same for a lot of different brands um across the across the spectrum yeah no it definitely has been i mean john obviously you're experience is predominantly on Twitter for KFC. So just wondering on, you know, your perspective during lockdown with sort of out of home adverts, TV and other above the line campaigns all cut, how did Twitter step up for your strategy to fill that gap for the brand? It's interesting to say this, Twitter didn't. We didn't step up anything. Our Twitter was more or less business as usual, with the exception, obviously, of, you know, we paused media spend on those sort of campaigns. But organically, the stuff I work on, it was pretty much the same as what we were doing before, because it's such a reactive platform. Like you should, we have a, we have our social calendar and, you know, Instagram's all mapped out for the next coming weeks and so forth. The Twitter part's always empty. It's always sort of, what, what what can I come up with on the day? What's trending? What conversations are people having? So the strategy itself didn't really change. It changed in the sense that we knew we were getting more people across the business interested in it and seeing what was going on with it. Uh, so we sort of had to, as I said before, step up to the plate for that. But there was there was no, no not much in terms of, right, we're going to put X amount of money behind Twitter now and so forth. And I think it's because we did, we've proved before, 
you know, with previous tweets and, you know, making headlines for slagging off a football team or getting involved in cheeky little things, we, we sort of proved that we were all right. You know, the, don't don't fix something that's not broke, essentially. Mm. You say like the rest of the company and like other departments were looking more closely at what you were doing. And without, you know, TV ads to bring in customers and bring in that engagement and attention, do you think CMOs and other higher-ups now have a greater respect for not just Twitter, but other social platforms as well, because they had to sort of replace their more traditional methods of advertising. We are incredibly lucky that we have an amazing Meg, our CMO. She is absolutely amazing. And she's always been a big cheerleader for us in the social team. She'll be the first to admit she doesn't really understand social. She doesn't really know too much what we do, but she has this trust in us. And it was built up, you know, long before I started the trust in social. And, you know, she's always there to support us if we have a question, if there's something a bit risque and we, you know, run it by her first. So we personally at KFC, we were very lucky. And I, I know, like I'm in, you know, different social media groups on Facebook and all different social media managers, that we're in a very privileged position for that. You hear the horror stories of CEOs, CMOs, you know, trying to interstep in every sort of social decision because their daughter has social, their son has social, you know, they got 20 likes on a LinkedIn post so they think they know the ins and outs of social. And it's like, no, you don't. It is it is a specialist thing. I wouldn't try to claim I know how to do out of home, for example. Like, I don't know how to do that. I would never claim to do that. So I know it, that that has been a struggle for a lot of people working in brands and agencies and different types of business. And I can only hope that they've now sort of looked at what the social media experts do, what their social media managers, social media specialists, so forth do, and realize, okay, we can trust them. But it's 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 hard to sort of say much because as I said, we, we're just so trusted at KFC in the social team. How instrumental would you say that trust is to the work that you do and how well it does on Twitter? Huge. Yeah. Absolutely huge. We we need that trust. I get anxious and angsty if I have a risky treat. And if it's not improved in 15 minutes, I start sweating and getting really, really fidgety. But, we, you know, we, we, we don't have to go through this whole process of taking it all the way up the food chain to get approved. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to get legal involved for everything we do, which is great because I think I'd go very grey very quickly if that was the case. And it is because we have this trust with, with our CMO Meg and with the rest of the marketing team to essentially know that we won't bring the company into disarray or anything like that, or that we're not going to, you know, get, get angry tabloids knocking at our door or anything like that because we've said something quite wrong. Yeah. Um, and it, it is trust we've earned over the years. It's, it's trust when, you know, I've been here just over a year and a half now and it's, the, it's what the team have done in the past to earn this trust. And it is... It is seismic having this trust from, you know, the, the top dogs, essentially. Mm. I mean, how, how does it work, John? Because obviously you speak about so many things on social that aren't chicken a lot of the time. So is it that, you know, it's it's such a clear understanding of the KFC tone of voice and values and stance that allows you to be humorous and to talk about things that aren't necessarily product and to have that trust? Well, yeah, so our tone of voice like the overarching tone of voice throughout the whole marketing team is be ton and cheek, be a little bit irrelevant to an extent. And us in social, we, we really push the boundary. I know for a fact, if every tweet we did, even if it was quite funny, if I tried to shoehorn promoting the latest product in there, it's it's going to fall on its arse a bit. And 
our whole thing with social is about brand engagement. It's not necessarily about sell, sell, sell all the time. It's not necessarily about, you know, every tweet you do must include a link to the delivery site. It must, you know, push this product that we, this limited time offer we have on in the moment. It's about brand engagement. It's about bringing that brand awareness to the public and the, you know get them think of KFC is this not a nameless faceless corporation ran in America and that's where brand and culture comes in so strongly for us we talk about things that are going on and specifically in the UK you know uh, we never try to come across as American or you know anything like that I got told off for saying yeehaw once <laughs> um as as a piss take and they were like no you don't don't say that so they're, they're very cautious of that and it is you know talking about things that are the british public are talking about talking about football talk about great british bake-off have that cheeky sense of humor that you know people in britain and ireland do love and in terms of um well food contests i suppose a great place to uh, touch on is the kfc rate my plate campaign which i'm sure you'll be able to explain better john but this was essentially something that became really really viral throughout uh, lockdown and especially on twitter where i think people were doing their own sort of takes on kfc because obviously stores were closed and stuff and what i found impressive about was that was how it turned into an acclaimed tv campaign and that was like you know i, I imagine it blew a lot of people's minds because we often see tv replicated on social but social replicated on tv bar hashtags and stuff isn't really as common i'll be honest with you, it blew my mind as well i did not expect it to blow up in the way it did. Essentially, it was born from... We got one or two people sending in their homemade KFCs. And then a couple of... Like, different people had sort of essentially the same idea of, oh, you know, we should encourage people to send them in. Sort of thing. We weren't quite sure what to do with it. And then we'd talk about, okay, rate my KFC. And I had to think, and people really love to get roasted on Twitter for some reason. Um, I have no... I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm very delicate. I wouldn't want someone... Tell me this chicken I made is shit. I'll probably have a little cry if I did. <laughs> but it's it's what people like, and I sort of and I, it's it, it, like I'm not and I'll never claim it was a you know it's a wholly original idea because it, it was born off um, Gordon Ramsay. You know, um, every now and again he would you know he never did it as a campaigner, but I think he did it recently as a campaign for TikTok actually. Yeah, he has. Yeah, and I, I should probably watch that, <laughs> um, but. I, had, I just sort of had the idea that like, people quite liked it when Gordon Ramsay took the piss out of people's food. I quite like taking the piss out of people. Let me take the piss out of their food. It's a win-win. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And I'll not lie, at this point I was very bored and I was just sort of sitting on my own in the flat and there wasn't too much going on. And I was like, oh, you know what, I'm getting, I'm getting a bit angsty now. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to attack. And, you know, the, the way it worked is we made it very clear, you know, that I'm more Gordon Ramsay than Mary Berry. I, I think the copy was. So, you know, it's, it, it, people knew what they were getting into. And again, it, it just sort of was an example of pushing the boundaries. I, like I, I made a, a Rizzler joke um, saying that the skin was had the same consistency as a wet blue Rizzler. And (laughs) that was just, we we sort of got away with that. I I sort of went off my back and did that one myself. Didn't ask anyone for that one. I thought, nah, this is going in. And, you know, there was was Tiger King references. There was a really niche Futurama reference as well, which was one of the better performing um, ones we did. But yeah, it just blew up. And none of us expect, I went into it thinking a bit, 
right, I'll do this. Because I actually, I, I had annual leave booked off the next day because I was stupid and booked annual leave for lockdown. Um, I had annual leave the next day and I thought, right, well, I'll do these and I'll let the rest of the team sort of go on. I ended up getting bloody hooked. I ended up working the next two days just because of how much was coming in, how well it was being received. And I think it got like something like a 100% engagement rate. That is insane. It's ridiculous. I kept crunching the numbers. I got about four or five different people to check the numbers. I was like, how is that possible? Do you think because it's something that you enjoyed so much and you found so funny and because you're on the KFC Twitter, on the front lines of the brand every single day, is there sort of a comfort or do you feel like secure being able to post these things reactively just off the back of what you like because you feel like you know the brand so well and I guess maybe the people who follow KFC are probably going to find it funny as well I think that's exactly what it is even it's like the sense of humor on Twitter is essentially my sense of humor because my boss Josh he's the one who sort of developed all this all this social strategy and you know how the tone of voice came across and you know he'll be the first to say as well was sort of Twitter needed a bit more love and then I came in I have the exact same sense of humor as my boss and I think that's what helped me get the get the job in the end because <laughs> it was just this continuation and having someone who's you know exclusively on Twitter and yeah I, that, this this is you know why I love it because it is a essentially things I would probably tweet from my personal account if I had more than 300 followers. It does help a lot when it comes to think of content and, you know, it's been worked so hard and over the years and over the year and a bit since I've been there just to sort of really forge that people sort of know what they're expecting. They'll know that, mm. you know, if, if, if we tweet something from our account, there's a chance it could be cheeky, irrelevant, maybe a bit close to the bone or something completely random. Is that a chicken pun? Close to the bone? God, I do it <laughs> accidentally these days. I'm claiming that one. But John, going back to KFC's Rate My Plate, Obviously, a massive part of it, as Theo mentioned, is the fact that it was then turned into that massive TV campaign when KFC reopened. Do you think that sort of laid a foundation for you guys for greater collaboration between the digital advertising departments and social media? I mean, traditional and social media, sorry. I think the proof will be in the pudding the next year or so. I think it's um, I think it's too early now. I think because obviously of all this going on, I understand why like the advertising and retail team, for example, playing it a bit safer. I think it has. I think it has shown you know that there there is definitely scope for collaboration. Yeah, because it works so well. It, but then I have the worry that. Because it was born and born from social, then it just so happened that it, you know, they loved it. They thought, right, let's make it into TV ad. I quite like the not uh, not complete autonomy sort of thing, but how we are on social, how we talk is still a little bit different than the likes of um, the TV advertising. I take the KFC account like it's my own baby sort of thing. I, I I do get you know if anyone says, oh, can you post this? You know, I'm I'm very much um, if it fits, yeah sort of thing um, if, it, if it fits. So I definitely think there is scope in the future for more sort of crossover between social media and traditional advertising. I mean, we do it on paid spend, you know, um, on our on our paid tweets, for example, a lot of the posts are similar to what goes on in the billboards um, and, and the YouTube ads and TV ads to an extent. But as I said, it will be interesting to see in the next year or so when, when hopefully when we get out of this uh, fingers crossed, touch wood. 
um, that there will be a bit more collaboration between organic social and, and future campaigns. But who knows? That, that, that's, that's it. it it's, um, I'd love to give you a definitive answer going, yes, we've planned this or yes, you know, we've had the conversations. But it's, I think, again, because Rate, Rate My KFC was just such a surprise hit. And obviously there was the problem with COVID filming, for example, and, yeah. you know, people being furloughed and so forth um, across the industry that they just had to find something and that was the perfect fit for them. And it's, it's one of those things where we see many of these trends and we really do sort of hope in terms of the fearlessness and other, other points that they do get carried on post COVID and we don't just revert back to old ways. But one of the things I want to ask you about, John, is I'm not going to ask you to define the humour because it's, it's something that is almost like uh, we've, we've talked about this before and said it's, it's sometimes impossible. It's so uh, innate and instinctive. But how would you say humour on social, particularly branded humour, how has it evolved over the years? Because it's like the furthest thing from slapstick, isn't it? It, it really is its own niche. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a big, I, like I've only been, I was at Unilad before KFC, so I've been like sort of in the social sphere for basically my whole career, all three years of it. Um, but there definitely is a rise in people becoming more cheeky and funny and you know Paddy Power always laid the marker down everyone looked at Paddy Power and thought I want a bit of that Um, they've always been so so humorous on social media and I think because you know their main target is probably yeah football fans sport fans in general um, you know people who bet which probably I would I would speculate is you know a heavily male demographic you know your mid twenties or upwards early twenties even so they sort of had the sweet spot of having such a defined audience who enjoy that sort of um that sort of funny cheeky content that they were a good one to start with everyone is when talking about QSRs like ourselves and Burger King and McDonald's Wendy's is obviously the trendsetter and Wendy's in America um we still get tweets to this day being like oh you've just copied Wendy's and we're like oh Jesus are Wendy's the only one allowed to be funny on Twitter thanks they're not really <laughs> even go here um so you're starting to see braver and braver um like Aldi did this 30th birthday celebration thing that was quite quite funny and it's, it, you you wouldn't think Aldi would be you know being cheeky on social innocence a great example innocence is is I I get really jealous of innocent smoothies because their their social is down to a T um like they 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 very rarely tweet about smoothies or juice and when they do, they're kind of taking the piss out of themselves for it. Like they're they're essentially anti-marketing their social posts, which is great. I love it. I wish I have a hands up and say I wish we could be more like more like innocent uh, sometimes. And I think it is going to keep evolving. I do think more and more brands are going to start to take the lunge. Um, when that happens, you sort of have to hope that people remember. That we were, you know, not not the first or maybe even one of the first, but one of the, you know, the very more consistent and so forth. Because if everyone's trying to be funny, if everyone's trying to take the piss out of the same things, is there a risk, do you think, that there could be oversaturation of 
brands trying too hard to be funny. Mm. Well, if if John like it, it says for you guys at KFC, the humor is based on what you find funny and what your boss finds funny. I think the ideal picture would be, you know, if every brand's a different personality, every person has their own sense of humor. So hopefully, you know, it wouldn't be too samey samey. But I agree, it like it is a risk and it can happen because obviously people follow markers like you've said, innocent and the brands who did it well first. You know, that being said, when you see how like how good it can be, I mean, the press coverage alone from KFC's tweets should be enough to convince brands what humor can do. Why aren't more brands, as you say, taking the lunge yet? Well, because they have old structures in place. They've got, you know, social media is new marketing, essentially. Um, I feel gross saying social media is marketing, but it is. Um, It is new marketing and we're very lucky at KFC and Innocent would be the same, I imagine. Paddy Power would be the same and, you know, Burger King as well to an extent. That we have people at the top making decisions who understand social media is new marketing. It is not the same as... TV advertising, out of home advertising, that 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 sort of thing. And a good example is McDonald's. Their social strategy, I don't know if it still is, but it definitely was at one point. Um, treat them like one of our team members. So that essentially meant they couldn't take the piss. Right. That's why anytime us or Burger King slagged off McDonald's, it was like kicking a poor puppy in a cage. Oh. We knew they couldn't bite back or anything like that. <laughs> that's just spilling industry secrets here. Jesus. No, we love it more. <laughs> fair play to them. If that's their strat, that's their strat. That's fair enough. But it does limit you quite a lot to what you can do on social and what you can get away with on social. And I think, yeah. I think it is that old thinking you know um of of how marketing works and you know it's like people who still think the customer's always right that's i've worked in retail for three four years of my life we all and i don't know about you guys but that's a lot of bollocks yeah um and you know that that is something that harkens back to the old days of marketing to an extent customer service and just people can't let go of this old thinking um you know like I'm not saying every brand, every account, every whatever has to, you know, be cheeky, take the piss, you know, all that. Because obviously, like, if you're a cancer charity, for example, or what have you, then that doesn't make sense, really, that, that, you know, that that won't fit in the tone overall. But I do think there is people who are brands, especially who are scared. Yeah. Because it's not what they're used to and they don't, they don't want to take the leap to do it. I know of... Um, a brand and I was chatting to them, someone I know worked for the company and it's as I alluded to earlier they have to get every tweet through legal they had to ask if they could use a gif they had to ask legal are we allowed to, and it, it was this it was um you know the wide-eyed man sort of thing like the startled surprise sort of thing that classic one from like feels like 50 years ago um and I just thought why what like it's a gif it's, mm. it's fair usage and all that sort of thing. like do you really have to go to legal and like that's nothing against you know the social media managers of course yeah because if anything like I've got a hell lot of sympathy for them and I know at KFC I am in an extremely privileged position that we have this sort of free reign and you know crack on I mean this this question will probably answer itself John based on what you've just said but you think brands like that are being smart or foolish to be scared of that like the lack of conservatism that it takes to succeed on Twitter because you say someone getting approval from legal just for a gif seems so silly, but maybe in their mind, they're 
just super protective of their brand image and have a very like low risk approach to their marketing? <sighs> I'd say foolish is a bit harsh because I do get why, but oh, this is this is really hard to say about coming across as a bit of a dick. Um, <laughs> I do think yes, take more risks. If you can get away with it. Yeah. We're okay because we're a fast, we're a, we're a QSR brand. We're, we're a quick service restaurant, you know, and you, we're chicken and chips at the end of the day. Mm. You know, we're not, we're not sincere. We're not British Airways. We're not, you know, cancer research. We're not Tesco. We, we can get away with it essentially because we can come across as irrelevant. But at the same time, people don't go on social media to be advertised to. Um, it is forced upon us all. I'm, I'm sure you will agree. Do you, like, would any of you go on Twitter and think, I really fancy watching an ad or reading a really corporate tweet? <laughs> Never. Exactly. It's it's just, it's not what people use social media for. And okay, a billboard, if you're driving, you're going to see it anyway. You know, you're not driving to see a billboard unless you're Homer Simpson and that's seen, seen in an episode of The Simpsons. Um, <laughs> TV, if you haven't got Sky Plus or any sort of fast-forward capability, box or anything like that you're going to just sit and watch the ads anyway while you wait for your program to start people go on the likes of twitter and on instagram to you know stay connected with friends to be entertained to be informed of what's going on in the world they don't want to be advertised to so if your social account is just ad heavy and not even talking about paid ads if your organic feed is just buy this product buy this product use our service People aren't going to engage with it. Yeah. And rightly so. Why would you? You know, no, no, no one's going to slap you in the back and say, great ad, mate. Well done. I love this tweet. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love being advertised your razor blade or your hairbrush. <laughs> Thanks for that. I was just going to say, to go back to that question, though, like you said, you know, there's there's a bit of empathy there, isn't it? There's, there's a To put things into context and to see if that fear is justified, I mean, in your opinion, what is the worst thing that could happen if you if you put out a tweet that was just a bit below the mark or just not received well or, you know, and I'm not talking about being blatantly offensive and cruel, but just a bit, hmm, bit, bit touch and go that. Uh, you get a bollocking first and foremost, um, which is never nice. It is sort of the being of social media as a whole. It's hard to measure anything. Like, I can't say for a fact, say, take a good tweet, for example, say a tweet that absolutely, say that Prince Andrew tweet that went out this week as from Gordon. That bind, that did so well. I can't say how many people have bought KFC because of it and thought, wow, I like this tweet. I'm going to get myself a bargain bucket. And it works on the flip side. It works on the flip side as well. It's a bit like, you know, if it, like what is so offensive to say that someone will think I'm boycotting this company? Mm. But on that, Twitter is a is the touchiest of the platforms. Mm. And it because but you think about it, Twitter is probably the most political of the platforms. So if you do something that pisses off the right, you're going to get all the people with Brett with um, Union Jacks in their profile pictures and all that. You're going to have them coming after you. If you do something that pisses off the left, you're going to get, you know, um, everyone with hashtag FB, FPB. I can't remember what the actual acronym is. Um, but, you know, you're going to get that that sort of um, mm-hmm. that sort of crowd after. It's like, take Yorkshire Tea, for example. That was awful what happened to them just because some... And this wasn't even anything they did. 
it was just some MP took a some Tory MP took a photo of himself with a big box of Yorkshire tea, and you know their social media manager got an absolute hammering when it was nothing to do with Yorkshire tea. Was the the brand was they were they accused of sending the politician the tea? Yeah, they were accused of they were accused of partnering up with the politician, which wasn't the case at all. And For a hashtag spawn, exactly. <laughs> Because I was I was actually on holiday at the time it happened. So my boss sort of he was looking after the Twitter. I was gone, and he he had messaged the Yorkshire Tea social media manager, being like, "Sorry to hear this has happened," and it, it can happen to anyone. It really can. We have we have about hundred and nineteen restaurants of near a thousand that that is halal. It's halal certified. Every bloody day we'll get a handful of people saying. Why are you serving halal? Why? And you, you, it's the same people, mm. if you know what it is. It's, it's, the, it's the same crowd. And on the flip side, whenever the Tory MPs tweeted the Jeremy Corbyn chicken last year and tagged us, we had people accusing us of, you know, okaying this from the Tory party. <laughs> and just thinking, have a bit of common sense. <laughs> um, of, of course that's, that hasn't happened that's why we had to well we did have to I wanted to but that's why we tweeted in the end and why I've, I've sort of pushed hard for us to tweet to sort of disassociate ourselves from it but, but that was going to be a question for you actually John in terms of crisis management we often hear because on, on the one hand you've got this kind of funny uh, tongue in cheek tone of voice on Twitter but what about when there needs to be the time to kind of be serious do you take people on or maybe not KFC but hyper Pathetically for a brand, is it a good thing to to take people on to get into the bait? Because I think one of the fears that brands have is that the minute you reply, you kind of get drawn into a bit of an argument and then that becomes a bigger problem than the original tweet. This is something, if I could change one thing about my job, it's I wish I could take more people on. <laughs> and I'm not saying I want to argue with everyone, but when there is someone clearly being out of line, you know, and saying offensive things, whether it is about the likes of Halab or something like that, I want to take them on. It take I have to walk away from the laptop sometimes if it um if it just boils my blood too much. And obviously I get why, you know, as social media people we can't because it can't just lead you down a deep dark hole essentially and you end up working like you're not gonna change anyone's mind at the end of the day. It's you know, people on Twitter in particular are they are just set in their views. Uh, I think it's something we're all probably a bit guilty of over certain things. So you're not going to change anyone's mind. You're not going to bring them enlightenment. I'm not going to be the KFC Buddha or anything like that. But a good example was uh, of one time I did take people on um, for some bizarre reason. So we launched a vegan burger in January. That's not bizarre. It was a great idea. We We launched a vegan burger in January, New Year's Day. And for some bizarre reason, we decided to have a Twitter first view which is essentially means that this tweet advertising the vegan burger was the top thing, uh, was the top uh, post on people's um, Twitter feeds for 24 hours, I believe it was. But for some bizarre reason, we put it live at midnight. Now, bear in mind, this is New Year's Eve, midnight, I'm drunk. <laughs> and um, I was actually 
having drinks with um, my friend in the product team. So obviously she was she did she was quite curious what the reaction to the vegan burger was because this is the first time we were really pushing it, you know, because it was launched. Um, and the amount of people who were like, "Why are you serving vegan? Your KFC? Why are you you know facilitating these snowflakes and all that sort of thing?" So I messaged back a few. I did reply to some, and I got quite um I got quite you know cheeky about it. And I was up to two in the morning tweeting back people because um, that was how. My my New Year's Eve went because um, my boss was also in a separate place drunk and he was we were you know we were I've never never ever drink and tweet people never ever drink and tweet uh, I say drunk we, we were a sound body and mind we knew what we were doing nothing offensive got tweeted and it got to like two in the morning it was just tweeting back these people saying like we're just saying things like, why does it bother you? Why does it matter? You know, who? why do you care if we do a vegan burger? It's not changing anything else in the menu. And eventually my boss had to say, John, if you stop now, I'll give you tomorrow morning. I'll give you tomorrow off. And I was like, yes. <laughs> or the, or the, day, the day after off, because um, my calling, obviously. This also gets us on to another point, which is interesting, because there's the brand tone of voice. But one thing that we've seen, especially on Twitter is when the brand account starts identifying from the perspective of the social media manager. Mm. And, you know, it's very common for people, uh, we were talking about this uh, previously, where you'll often sign off tweets from admin, and we've seen that um, coming into play a lot more. What are the sort of merits of that approach and making people realise that they are talking to a person? Well, it's it's like Eve said earlier, um, it gives it gives the, the, the page personality. And it's not some personality brewed up in some underground chemistry dungeon of marketeers thinking this is how we're going to, this is what we're going to do and all this. You know, obviously, yes, there is a bit of strategy involved there, of course. But by showing your own personality, you are making the page more unique. Um, and that is a huge strength. There is a hell lot of noise on Twitter. A hell lot of noise. I don't even see our tweets sometimes when I'm scrolling on my personal. I just have to scroll quite a far down my timeline to see a KFC one. Um, but to give that personality and signing off as admin, I think that's, I, I, I would say that's one of the best things I've probably done in terms of since I've worked at KFC was starting to sign off tweets as admin because um, the personality was like I'm not saying you know the personality was still there you know it was it's still the exact same only now and again I would say something like admin xyz um, and really amplified that and I did notice a difference I honestly did notice a difference from interactions people realize that it is a person behind the account and it means, okay, you still get people saying pretty shitty things to you. Well, not to you, but to the brand. But people are more friendly. They're more engaged with you. You know, they feel like they're chatting to someone, not just some nameless, faceless corporation. And that that that's a big thing. The brand as a whole, KFC as a whole, wants to sort of dispel that we're some nameless, faceless corporation who doesn't care or anything like that. And having the sort of admin profile, I say profile, admin is just me. I just don't want to put my own name down because uh, that would be terrifying for people to look me up. Um, and it just, it, it's a big, big thing for us to sort of come across this personality, to come across as someone, you know, you can actually have a chat and a joke with. 
and it makes my job easier. It makes my job a hell of a lot more pleasant. I mean, John, you mentioned we mentioned before, sort of going back to the Rate My Plate and how it was adapted for TV. And I know you said that maybe a reason collaboration between social and TV isn't quite there yet is because your tone of voice is still quite different between the platforms. And that's probably due to the fact that on Twitter, you've obviously started speaking like yourself, as has your boss. Do you think that kind of approach to TOV, now that you guys know what the KFC personality sounds like online, do you think that will translate to TV and will it work if so? My own personal opinion, not of the companies, all views are my own, to be spliced that in at the start. (laughs) (laughs) My own personal opinion is no, not completely, because Twitter works because of the engagement. Yeah. You know, I, I do my best not to just send a tweet and don't look, you know, don't look at the comments or anything like that. I, I do try my best to sort of engage with the community. Mm. Um, and you miss that on TV or out of home, um, unless you have some people shouting at their tellies, which doesn't sound too fun. I do think there is an extent, like with the tone of voice, yes, of course, there could come a time in the future where it's more on par with social, the tone of voice for the likes of your tele advertising, your out of home. But, it can't be exactly the same because you do miss out on the engagement and you do miss out on the community feel. And that that is such a huge, important thing to me on Twitter is the community feel. Like, I'm under no illusions. I know we are a brand on Twitter. I know we try to flog chicken on Twitter. You know, I'm under absolutely no illusions. But I, I'm constantly striving to create more of a community feel on the page. To feel like people can comment under and have a joke. And I've, I've seen, you know, a couple of regulars comment under tweets and stuff like that. Like, I've, I keep getting someone, I had someone, not keep, but I've had someone comment a couple of times asking for fantasy football tips. <laughs> He's like, oh, what, what did you, you know, James Rodriguez is injured this weekend. Who, do you, who should I get in? And, you know, some brands would look at that and think, oh, that's not selling our product or, you know, that's got nothing to do with us. But if you create this community feel, this sort of, and you keep engaging in a nice positive way or, if, you know, a funny way, not necessarily nice all the time, but in a funny way that sort of keeps people coming back for more. Mm-hmm. It does mean KFC is going to be front of their mind when they're yeah. thinking what I want to eat tonight. If they're scrolling on Uber Eats delivery or whatever, they see KFC, they think, oh, well, you know, I quite like KFC. It brings them very much to the front of mind. And that that's what we do. That's how that's how we justify our existence, essentially. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good argument. I mean, it's that positive association. Someone might look at it and say, okay, well, this isn't pushing product, but it's building relationships. And that is what most brands claim to want to do on social. It's exactly. And this is what KFC as a whole is doing very bloody well. From like the people above, you know, in the wider marketing team, they realize this, you know, it, it, as far as I'm aware, like it's a, it, it was a long fight and, you know, it's something we're still, you know, trying to fine tune and so forth, but they've really bought into it. And that, that that's just amazing for us. Oh, proof is in the pudding. All the chicken. Exactly. Exactly. John, probably a, a good thing to talk about is, uh, it sounds like a lot of what we're touching on as well is attribution and the value of things and whatnot. And something that's been quite common to say, um, and we'll get rid of it sometimes, is that vanity metrics are no longer important. So when we say vanity metrics, like likes, shares, retweets, does the virality you guys receive on Twitter and the impact that that may or may not have sort of blow that theory out of the water, really? This is where I become a massive 
massive hypocrite. I personally, again, my own personal view, and I know this goes going to be good to get your guys' thoughts on this as well. It, it, it sort of goes against what a lot of people do tend to think based on, you know, the social media groups and the people I talk to work on social media think. Like, impressions. What is an impression? It showed up on someone's feed, right? <laughs> That's great. It showed up on someone's feed. I can't tell you the amount of times I have just fastly scrolled through my Twitter feed. That would count as an impression. Maybe te- I've skipped past 10 things, not given much notice. Still, you know, one impression per um, per thing, per tweet sort of thing. But it didn't impress me if it didn't stop for it. Um, but then I still let out a little wee of excitement every time I see a tweet just rocketing up on impressions sort of thing. And th- but then it comes down to, okay, what can we measure? Engagements. Okay, yeah, engagement means people have actively, you know, engaged in the tweet. But how do we know they're good or bad engagements? You know, I could get, hypothetically, a thousand engagements on a tweet, a thousand comments under a tweet. 995 of them could be terrible. They could be slagging us off. They could be saying this, that, and the other. So how do you measure that? You measure sentiment. Um, Anyone who claims they can accurately measure sentiment is a filthy liar, in my eyes. Um, It's it's just something that's not quite there yet. It needs fine-tuning still um, to accurately portray, portray sentiment. So it does come down to... Vanity metrics, as you say, Theo. I think what it does come down to is to to sort of say to the wider team who don't understand social, 10 million people saw this tweet. That's good. That's good. 10 million people saw it. That's great for them. They, otherwise, they, you know, you pay 10, 15,000 quid to sort of get that much views if you're doing paid media on Twitter. You know, so you go, I've saved you 15 grand. Um, and I think you do need to measure it somehow. Otherwise, it comes back to how do I justify my existence? Mm. Um, and I think, I do think getting in the press is a big thing. Um, if if I have a tweet that, you know, makes it into the press and that's bloody amazing, that, that is a good way to showcase it because obviously if it's in the press, it's going out to more people. I think the best one I got was, I made a tweet about Gareth Bale and it got, pop, it got published on the Marca website, which is a Spanish newspaper. It's huge. <laughs> for Real, Real Madrid. It's big, big. I think it's Spain's number one, possibly. And obviously, you know, you show it off and go, look what we're doing. We're, we're going continental. It'd be good to get your guys' thoughts on this about vanity metrics. I kind of agree with you. I think it's good to get those numbers, like you said, to justify it to, you know, your bosses, your higher ups and like to your clients and make sure they all know that you're on the right track with what you're doing. And it is a good feeling when, you know, a tweet does really well, blows up and you manage to get some press coverage off the back of it even better. My only problem with it is when people start creating content solely with the purpose of going viral. And that's when I think they let the quality slip because they're just focused on hitting a certain number or hitting a certain target and they lose sight of what they should really be trying to create when in fact the only tweets that do well are the ones like you've pointed out with your many examples that maybe you weren't really thinking about and just came instinctively. Yeah, certainly. I think to add to that as well, yeah. I think like you said, John, that one of the big things there is that need for justifying your existence often goes beyond sales, I think as well. One of the questions we were going to ask you was, you know, what is the reward of that? You've outlined that throughout this podcast. It's the presses attention you know the the sort of community management side of it the fact that people are asking kfc for fantasy football tips you know it all becomes um front of mind yeah of course it is just about like will there ever be sort of a way where we can accurately measure like unless you pour everyone who orders a kfc did you get this because you saw this tweet 
Um, there's there's never sort of going to be an out and out way to sort of say how well a tweak performed for the brand. So I think we we are we are you know as much as I sort of slacked them off a little bit. You know the likes of impressions are good in that regard to sort of say look here are people sort of had this tweak delivered to their timelines. 100%, 100%. Well, in a podcast filled with uh, advice and recommendations and really, really deep insight into Twitter, it's been, you know, excellent discussing it and talking to you about it, John. The only thing we didn't find out was the secret recipe, but I, I imagine <laughs> that <laughs> that would be a bit of a problem to talk about that. I don't want to get him fired. Exactly. <laughs> but honestly thank you very much for joining us John a really insightful discussion thanks so much guys yes thank you I'm going to go get a bucket now exactly yeah you've you've done your job to that point Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson.